Good evening. Last week, we apologised for the repeated mentions in the previous week's show of the Odyssey testing that has been undertaken because of the distress that this may cause pilots, commanders who, through no fault of their own, unable to join in with the shenanigans and just like poor children standing outside the restaurant in the cold, can only stare in through the window, watching the warm, comfortable patrons inside indulge their desires and when only very occasionally a favourable breeze may enable them to catch a waft of what might be a pale reflection of the joys that lie just on the other side of the invisible barrier. We realise that we may have compounded this anguish last week, and as we continue throughout the show to talk about Odyssey with a seeming lack of concern for our listeners, we are sorry. We know we haven't got a leg to stand on, or rather you don't. All of this is a step too far, but we just can't walk away from it. Apologies again. We actually, they, not me, they can. It's us that can. But we're trying to improve. A journey of a thousand light years begins with a single step and we're aiming for a change of pace. Once we get into our stride, we'll be stepping up to the mark in all walks of life. But until then, we shouldn't try to run before we can walk. So for this week, your show will be the usual pedestrian stuff. Starting with this. Our mics are live. Good evening, good evening everyone. I'm Harry Balzac, your host for this evening, and I'll be with you every step of the way. I'm Wilma Fingerdoo and I can talk the talk. As well as, of course, walk the walk. I'm Juan Kier and I'm well known for my two-step. I'm Norma Snuckers and I like to walk on the wild side. I'm Mia Harkness and you are all going to suffer for this one day. Enough of standing around. Let's get on with the news. Beware men with oddly shaped balls. We're in the pink. Problem strikes Cecil Tribute Band. Like everything else he does, Fantian takes spacewalks too far. All the fun of the unfair. It's X marks the spot. The route to the Hesperus is a dredger map. Faction distraction and resulting inaction. And I am brewing a cup of community. Sports fans are excited this week after the spontaneous invention of a new sport. Not since William Webb Ellis decided he couldn't be asked to kick about a muddy piece of leather, leading to the requirement for four more players with one odd-shaped ball, has there been such an electric atmosphere. Egg chasers the galaxy over have begun to sit up and take notice, as a rolling mall <clears throat> that's a scrummage to you on the night shift, but without all the padding and perpetual stoppages, was being employed to move an unconscious commander. Little explanation at this point. 
Commander Sox has had a stressful time in his Odyssey testing and has gone to a quiet outpost to practice his meditation. Never one to let consciousness stand in the way of a good nap, Sox, um, snuggled down and like the racehorse that he is, fell asleep standing up. Enter some truckers, Nocti, Texas Stew and Babster, plus a camera. Ever the considerate types, our commanders proceeded to manhandle Socks by gently, and not so gently, pushing him, push, turn, push, turn, shove. This was repeated for over three minutes, which is a long time in Odyssey, until our conked out cosmonaut, our snoozing spaceman, our crash commander, was standing on the spaceport's landing pad. Not wishing to leave the commander out in the open for his energy to run out, Nocti wrapped on Sox's space helmet to wake him up. But no good deed goes unpunished, as an incoming taxi landed on Nocti's head, and Sox followed up by getting back into his SRV and taking pot shots at the pilots who had so rudely impinged upon his person. The Galaxy's paint stores are going to have to stock up on a lot more pink paint, and the Galactic Bonkers Index has gone up to an all-time record high following the announcement this week of the return to the Galaxy of the pilot of the pink wafer, the ever-voluble and ever-voluminous Sally. Following a short interruption in her galactic journey, two years? Ah, that's... That's less than half the time it takes light to reach Hutton from Seoul. The cooling community manager, the squealing squadron member, the giggling galactic denizen is back in our midst, and her cobra displaying a greater expanse of pink than an artist's balcony in Dubai. The cobra that is, not Sally. Yes, everyone should stand by for incoming salvos of appreciation for their work, fusillades of supportive actions, and pink. Loads more pink. Pink everywhere. Welcome back, Sally. The reserved parking spot at the orbital with your name on it is still available. Follow the pink landing lights. Your bar still has been kept warm, but please don't ask how. And as Palantir said in his message, I've missed you. But you know how bad I am with fixed weapons. In a perfect example of nominative determinism, the ship Drunken Relapse. Piloted, if that's the word, by Commander Wilferick, himself fueled by Erin in Pearl Whiskey, made an unexpected donation of Hutton mugs and gin into the corona of a star last week, whilst taking his eye off his ship's heat indicator for just a moment, whilst fixing himself another drink and in our opinion, ruining a perfectly good whiskey with the addition of ice, but that's by the by. Uh, turning back to his ever so slightly blurry console, he suddenly wondered what the lovely lady computer was saying, and surely that's not faking neat rampage, and where did all this smoke come from? Commander Wilfric immediately used his ship's voice control to do what was necessary. But unfortunately, he'd not programmed the correct response for, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, and he was forced to revert to manual methods, i.e. push a button. This would have been quite straightforward if someone had not sneaked into his cockpit and installed a second set of buttons, and ones that moved as you approached at that. 
pausing only to light a Kamitra cigar in the flame coming from his instrument panel in a true Cecil-like venture, Commander Wilperick pressed firmly and confidently on the button to eject his cargo. Luckily, our tale does not end in tragedy. Wilferick managed to find the control for deploying a heatsink. After all, if you press every button, one of them must be right. <laughs> but not before incurring the cost of replacing his cargo, uh, repainting the inside of his cockpit, and a very wrinkled nose from the dry cleaner when he took in his flight suit for laundering. Uh, when interviewed, Wilferick said, I have decided that the drunken relapse left Hutton Orbital with mugs and gin, and by all that's holy and good in this verse, it will arrive at Fort Mug with mugs and gin. I didn't start on this ludicrous crusade of mine on Boxing Day 3303, in the sadly crashed drunken mistake, just to give up now. To that end, there will be a minor delay, in much the same manner as the supercruise flight out to Hutton Orbital is also a minor one. While a custom-built DBX, tentatively named Mistakes were made. It's commissioned and launched from Colonia Dream. The job is to rampage back to Hutton Orbital as quickly as possible, buy mugs and gin, and then ferry it all back to Colonia Dream, where the cargo transfer can take place. And the moral of this story? Be like Cecil. Never drink and fly, unless you're in someone else's ship. something strange in your neighbourhood? Have you seen a spectral ass sticking out of your wall? Did you open your fridge door only to see the incorporeal face of a big hairy wolf in there trying to eat all the sausages? Chances are that it's Commander Van Hyun trying to get back inside the station after one of his unscheduled spacewalks. In the bar of Newton City, no, the other one, he experienced a strange out-of-body experience. Now, I'm sure we've all experienced this sort of thing, particularly at the bar in Lathecon, but this was different. As he leaned against the wall to support himself, he seems to have sort of, well, fallen through. Onlookers spoke of hearing a hollow, echoey lament accompanied by much mourning and even a bit of ghostly swearing. Local bargoer Louis Knocker swears he heard Van Tian say, No! My point! as he went. Commander Flossie briefly scrambled to her rescue ship. Well, I say scrambled. She finished her chips and ordered another drink for when she got back, before heading outside to have a nosy around. Sadly, he was nowhere to be found, and staff raised the really serious alarm, but he did not reappear for last orders. So please be on the lookout for him. If he floats past your window, then let a hunting pilot know and we'll try to bring him in with a big butterfly net. Well, if he's gone solid again. Do not approach him yourself as he may be hungry and or hungover, which makes his actions unpredictable. Hotbox commanders have been doing their bit too by using their tea tray cum Ouija boards to try to locate our hapless commander. No luck so far, but we do have a message from Moira. Granny's laser pistol is in the tea caddy on top of the wardrobe. She wanted you to have it. If you open your fridge door and find the Temple of Gozer the Gozerian there, then you will need a young priest and an old priest, a packet of panta prayer sticks, naga chili pot scratchings, at least one spare clone for each person, and a couple of unlicensed particle accelerators. For now though, Commander Van Tian remains lost in space! Commanders have been experiencing a new chapter in the Odyssey simulation this week as the Pilots' Federation introduced Phase 2. 
frontline solutions, funfair rides. Keep your arms and rifles inside the ship at all times, comes over the tannoy as your little legs dangle out over the abyss. And your pilot does a loop-the-loop, and you try to stop your brain recalling just what it was that you had for breakfast. And the fun doesn't stop there. Oh no siree! As the release mechanism finishes counting down to a random number, and you gaze down at an inviting light show below. Then start desperately counting in a vain bid to try to work out what the gravity is on that planet that's coming up to meet you in such a friendly fashion. We're not all convinced that it was a wise move to try and mix funfair rides with speed dating as you are often unceremoniously dumped into the middle of a crowd of strangers. It's at this point that if you, if this were a movie, and if the atmosphere wasn't so tenuous, that you'd notice that the piano had just stopped playing, and there would be a sound of many guns being cocked as the locals recognise a stranger in their mists, and collectively decide that all of the people at whom they've been shooting it at up to now can safely be ignored and that you're such a dangerous bastard that it'll take all of them to put you down. We believe that this scenario has been generated by the Pilots' Federation as a means of road testing the filtration systems of your suit, as it whirs loudly whilst trying to remove the smells of sweat, fear and quite frankly bio-waste and your little arms flail back and forth as you simultaneously try to run, weave, and bob in the most ungainly display since Lou Snockers started doing Scottish country dancing on the table last New Year's Eve, just as Norma's pan caught him right on the, um, um, the, the cusp of doing something unmentionable. The Pilots' Federation have attempted to add a mining simulator to the same area, but there's no safety fence. And as Commander Zulu Romeo found out to his cost that if you step into the light, then you're pretty soon going to see the light. There's an investigation ongoing, but honestly, if you will stick your head into something marked head remover, do not use, it's really only going to end one way. When contacted for a comment, the Pilots' Federation said, this is not just a funfair, this is an alpha funfair. When pilots managed to decipher the space beacons that led them to make a recce of the Hesperus, they encountered an unexpected extra ship. That of one of the giant space dredgers, uh, converted megaships that have the galaxy's largest Mr. Dusty on the front, sucking... Now, don't be awkward and ask, how do they suck when there's no air in space, not even a tenuous little bit? Because, quite frankly, we don't know, and we don't care, because these suckers suck up debris from the area. Now, don't get short and nip to the space toilet if you're piloting in the vicinity of one of the behemoths. Otherwise, you're likely to find out that you're suddenly going to be signing on for an involuntary diet plan as you lose weight. All of it. As you're sucked into the maw of the dredger and your component atoms used to create raw resources for the thousands of people who live on them. The people aboard the dredgers aren't the sort to enjoy a wine and cheese party. Not even avian cheese but like to keep themselves to themselves as they've grown accustomed to their own company over many centuries. Uh, they've also grown a third arm in many cases, but we've put that down to faulty shielding in the crushing room as the ship's reactors are um, converted. This is not to say that the dredgers are galactic pariahs. Far from it. The dredger's intake can be used to clean up space junk, 
to hide bodies after one of the dastardly Don's disagreements, and most famously to unstick the Type 9 Evergreen when it got wedged in the toast rack. Shakespeare wrote, Where the bee sucks, there suck I, which tells you all you need to know about his relationship with plant life. But we say, Where this bee sucks, make sure you're a long, long way away. I still get the feeling that one or two of you are being distracted by something or other and having been, haven't been giving our systems the attention they deserve. I know the Hutton Helper doesn't yet work with Odyssey, but it does work for everything important, so pay attention to it. Some system states that are usually rectified within two or three days are running for a week with the consequential drops in influence and rises in factional squabbling. So get in quick where you see there's a problem and deal with it. Epsilon and Indy, yes, our biggest, shiniest system, has been suffering from an outbreak for a week. With four stations offering large pads, there's ample opportunity to work for the glory of Hutton, make a fortune in credits and even pick up 16 tonnes of Indy bourbon on every trip as a tasty little livener. During the week, a five-day period of civil unrest was quelled in Wolf 359, as were the pirate acts in PSPS-LF2 and Hill Pass Sai. So well done to those commanders who took the opportunity to test fire their shiny new CG railguns against pirate hulls. You just can't beat a bit of super penetration, can you? However, the surviving pirates have moved into Haghole and LP 532-81, and I'm sure some further testing would hone your targeting skills. Despite the distractions, three systems are marginally below 40% this week. The usual suspect, Barnard Star, has 50% of its influence locked up in minor faction squabbling. Wolf 359 is starting to recover after the period of civil unrest, and Wolf 1481 has been suffering from a general decline in influence. At the top end of the Hutton System League, eight systems are above 60, but grossly overachieving for the second week in a row with over 80% influence is LP 532-81. It appears that last week's cleaning duties in Cubicle 3 did not have the desired effect. So let's have another lesson, shall we? Expansion was triggered from LP 532-81 and we are still waiting with vague curiosity to see which system we have expanded into this time. Hopefully not another misfire like the last two. Well done to those commanders who lent a hand to fight for Tolfer, Tolfer Electronics Corporation in Lord 26 against Hutton. Particular mention goes to Commander Rinswin Cymru, whose efforts were key in withdrawing Hutton from the system. Alvin has gracefully and mercifully issued you a pardon for your misdemeanours, as they were in a noble cause, but added dryly, try not to make a habit of it. Ah, just a moment before I get to the Colonia hankygram, I've just been handed a note. We have some breaking news. Hutton have expanded into the caddy system and war is pending. There are no player factions present in caddy, there's a station with large pads, and it has a name that'll prompt no end of poor gags about tea. Alvin is having a nap right now, we shan't disturb him, so hang fire until he's given it a good sniff and we have received the tail wag of approval. In Colonia, Grand Viceroy Hankey requests that Colonia-based truckers hand in bounties in Doriso, 
run missions in Doriso and Tyr, and bring food and machinery to Dola Depot in Tyr to fight the infrastructure failure which is occurring there. We still need to lead Hotel Carson and Ari, where complaints have been received about defacement and damage to walls. Apparently, commanders have been, amongst other things, decorating, choosing curtains, hanging pictures, and generally making themselves at home. We're not staying, folks. You can check out any time you like. So spare a couple of hours to grab a couple of non-Hutton missions and lend a hand to get us out of there. So, priorities this week are... Bring in medicines to Epsilon Indy's large pads to help relieve the outbreak and get the commodities market running again. If you want to shoot something, kill pirates in Haghole and LP532-81. In fact, no. Don't bother on the last one. It needs to lose some influence. We still need to exit Carson and Ari, so help any of the factions there except Hutton. Or bugger it all and pick wildflowers with your friends in the Odyssey Alpha Exobiology field trip. Here's the news of events that we know about that have been given that have been generated by you, the Elite Dangerous community. Firstly, we have an update from Commander Eris Maidlung, who has finally realised that he has a fleet carrier with passengers aboard. The command crew of the Isfahan were pulley, pulled kicking and screaming from the telepresence suite. After screaming something about legs and walking over and over, Megajin was administered and finally they calmed down a little. After a fried breakfast and more gin, a route was plotted and the carrier was moved roughly 6,000 light years northeast. The area is quite dense, so commanders with lower jump ranges will have a field there. We are orbiting a gas giant with fairly rich rings, at least from the early scan data. By now you should be familiar with the two galactic expeditions that are taking very different approaches to transport. Commander Mephisto is leading the, the luxurious, comfy cannon crews, letting the participants rest in their space hammocks as the fleet carrier, Konsu, takes them and their cocktail glasses to see the sights of the galaxy. Mephisto says, In the fifth week, the comfy cannon crews reached the most southern spurs of the Milky Way. The anomalies reminiscent of Dargon swarms Caustic defensive reaction of gyropods and thargoid-like gyrotrees fueled speculations among the passengers about the genesis of those aliens. Commander G-Man 14 caught up to the crews, which was celebrated accordingly. The next day he graciously donated two cargo boxes full of Levian brandy, so the bar is ready for the next festivity again. There was a small and friendly race with stuck sidewinders around the console that ensued an hour of fun as well as paint scratched off console in a few places. Deck officer Erin Huber was not amused, but as Captain Commander Mephisto was the culprit, she had to look the other way. Now the fleet carrier is returning its refuelling tritium after last week's long jump sequences before resuming the cruise. 
keep up with their progress at bit.ly slash ed3c. And the second voyage, the second with a plan anyway, we'll be following, led by Commander Hunter, is the five euro tour. Remember, this is an exploration trip in combining a route to follow in your own time, along with weekly meetups, so you know you're not alone out there. Commander Hunter sent this report. The fleet is about halfway between Sagittarius A and home and has travelled more than 1.3 million light years on this journey. About 10 more waypoints and 15,000 light years to go. Our Discord channel had to be set to not safe for work as it recognises black holes as anuses, which are quite the opposite most of the time. We expect to arrive on schedule, which is Saturday 24th of April, 33.07, 1800 Galactic Time, which will be the official end of the expedition and the start of our competition. More info can be found this week and in our Discord channel, and remember, it's at your own risk. Information on this expedition can be found at bit.ly slash 5 tours. For those of you lucky enough to be taking part in the Odyssey Alpha, the Elite Races have the first of a new kind of event this Saturday. It is time for the first official multi-crew team SRV Rally Race starting on Saturday 1800 UTC. This is a new concept only possible in Odyssey as is allowing physical multi-crew. Teams of two must sign up for this race and will navigate their way from an undisclosed location to the set finish line. A scarab driver that drives and flies their way across the terrain from start to finish. A ship pilot that helps the scarab driver by navigating him across the terrain following the most optimal path as well as touching down to provide pit stop capabilities where repairs are needed. The start line will not be announced until the start of the event. This gives everyone a clean slate and adds to the challenge for the pilot navigator to provide his teammate with the optimal route across new unknown terrain. Finish line for this race is Adityan B2 Tarsinski Agricultural Holding, tidally locked 0.13 G. The course will be approximately 200 kilometres in length. Details including rules and how to sign up in the Elite Races Discord in the Odyssey Racing Channel. A little later on Saturday at 2000 UTC, it's time for the regular CQC Saturday event this is a great practice for those with no combat experience as there is no rebuy. Come along and let off some steam. Even Flossie has been known to take part. Although this is organised by the Hotbox team, all commanders are welcome to come along and for teams, don't forget to say for the mug in the lobby. Finally, not long now until Commander Relevance Baz's Big Bubble Banter Bus Anniversary Tour. A nightly event departing from Hill Pass High starting on Monday 26th of April. 
Details on our events page and it's hash for the Grand Bath. And that's all the news of community-led events that we have this week. Ooh, Ooh, that was that was a lot. That was bumper. Well, bum yeah. anyway. <laughs> bum was part of it. Yes. <laughs> that, that was... So, Harry, did you get a little overexcited with the bong button again? Uh, this I week? I did. I had. I was suffering from bong button bounce. Yeah, it's been hitting the bong. It, it's a real. It. I pressed it twice. It's a real disease. It is. That's I, ha- Harry bongs like more bongs for your bong. <laughs> it's. I I pressed it twice and it cancels and then I have to catch up. You see, <laughs> and everybody was still reading because they thought they were on the next one. So, I, so I just—I thought, you were, I thought uh, you were getting impatient and just trying to push everyone along really, really fast. I thought you'd fallen asleep and hit your head off it. I, well, that's what the extra button yeah. pushing came from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you putting your wine down again? Is that what it was? Mm. I just put my wine glass. Oh no! No, I had, no, no. It's just water at the moment, but it's still oh, early. It? It's still early. <laughs> yes. Oh, I don't know. It's getting dark outside. You're probably fine now. Yeah. No. Apologies for the apologies for the bong stuff. So you'll be amazed how that sounds in the podcast. And if you're listening to the podcast, um, I wonder if Norm will have actually taken this bit out where we apologise yeah. for it. Because if you're listening to the podcast, nothing happened. Nothing to see here. Move along, please. Well, if you're listening to the podcast, there's not, definitely nothing to see. No. Yes, it was completely seamless. Nothing to see here. Yes, but it wouldn't be happening if everything <laughs> was perfect, would it? No, it no. seemless. We're not perfect. Were. We're seamless. Yes. yes. Okay. Hey, so yeah, I, I'm. And in the in the script here, it says banter. We've got absolutely nothing because I haven't had time to go through and research anything today. <laughs> so, what's everybody been up to that's interesting? Oh, oh, oh that's that then. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that uh, then. <laughs> I went out to see the Hesperus and managed to feed my uh, my crate phantom into the front of the um, into the front of the space dredger. It was Uh-oh. good. I was sitting there floating just in front of it, looking and going. Well, look at all these rocks shooting past me. That's really cool. Well, like those big mangler wheel things, and they're they're getting bigger. Oh wait! <laughs> um, so I kind of get mangled in a bit, and then it it chomped on me a wee bit, but I managed to get away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it was quite scary for a minute there. And I didn't know about that when we when we created that uh, that that news item. Oh yeah, it? yeah, it really does suck <laughs> things in. Does it move along, or how does it? I haven't. I haven't seen it. it. Not perceptibly. I never mm. noticed it moving. Principal. It seems to kind of sit there like a mega ship, which is what it is, but it kind of seems to sit there. But there's a field at the front, like in a square uh, mm. field, like a square cone, if you know what I mean, at the front. And that seems to pull things in. So I don't know if it's some kind of tractor beam or what it is, or mm. whether it's using, you know, could be using magnets or Velcro. Velcro, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or suction. Mm. Using any of those things. But... Um, it, it pulls things towards it. You can see wee rocks flying past you and things. It's really, really good. And does course, it get yeah, bigger and bigger? Well, as you get closer. It's not a black Does it get bigger and bigger? Where does all this stuff go? Does it, it gets converted. Into something? It gets converted. Into what? Yeah, it's converted, of into course. Into raw materials. Yeah. It does says it raw materials. Them? Yeah. No, it uses them because they, these ships right. are for pre-faster-than-light travel. Gosh. They are... So these are oh, sort of generation just, ships. No. Mm. Well, that's, that's what Gownet says. Gownet wouldn't lie to us. They couldn't have got that far out if they were generation ships. 
uh, a thousand light years out. Te- decades been... or centuries, they reckon it's been, they've been going? Uh, 200, about uh, 200 years. Mm-hmm. Which would mean 200 oh, proved, light years. So, uh, sorry, they, beg your, beg your pardon. No, they have got faster than light, but they are, they're probably A1. <laughs> Uh, yes. so it's, it's a one uh, drives, yes. So they're not going very far or very fast, yes. No, no. But, and and the, other, the other thing we're not allowed to talk about. Well, we're not supposed to talk about. Done it anyway. Don't don't even don't don't even try it. Now. Just go go. Do you want Do you want three weeks in a row apologising? So, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to get three weeks in a row apologising anyway. Did you read the rest of it? It's a, yeah, it's easy. Oh, I can just, I can just fade, I just fade me out. That's all right. We'll Don't just carry on. Me like that. I'm being faded out, everybody. I'm oh. help, help. I'm being oppressed. Oh, if looks could kill. <laughs> Prosecuting cancer be there for so, thirty years. No, what? So, guys, what did you get up to in Odyssey this week? We we Bastards. had a we had a, a, bit of a team shoot 'em up on. Uh, was it Saturday? One one night this week. I think it was Saturday. That was um, the one of the uh, the picture of twenty one floating outside the window, <laughs> and twenty one trying to get in through the bar window in his cobra or somebody's cobra. I forget his somebody's cobra. It was. cobra yeah. yeah. So it was good. It was good fun. Good fun. We took on a few uh, um, high security sites um, in teams of four and uh, shot people and died a lot. <laughs> Good fun. <clears throat> More pureed commanders. Mm, yeah. well, what I have yeah. noticed, have you seen the, the, the video that we sort of reference in the news item about there's um commander who's been going around um, waiting for people to come from a drop ship, and as they're falling down, he just drives into them with his ship. <laughs> and, and, and it's to death. If, you, if, a sh- if a shield hits, oh. it's, it's, it's to death. Mm. Mm. And I, and I think that's going to have something that Frontier are going to have to address because it's also instant death if you uh, touch an SRV shield. Yes, I think uh, I think Arthur told me we found that out earlier on in mm. the next stream um, mm. when he told Bruce, "Don't run over me, Bruce. Bruce, please don't run over me. Whatever you do, be careful not to run over me." Bang, Bruce. Yeah. What did they just tell you? <laughs> What's that about the briar patch? Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, and I and so I think weird. that's so. I think that's going to have to be uh, looked at. Otherwise, it means that you're because, very fragile. Yeah, I think. Well, you probably are, but yeah, I think Frontier are aware of the situation. And I you've just, believe it's just an got out. <laughs> you're trying to suggest that you've just got out of your sort of seven, eight hundred thousand ton whatever spaceship, armed to the teeth and covered in armor, and now you're fragile. Yes. Yeah. 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 Nobody. If you can't remotely control it, but uh, as Commander Wotherspoon found, was she? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Commander Wotherspoon found he can drive his SRV right up to the door in, in stations, and he doesn't get scanned <laughs> until he gets out of out of that. It, it must be the gold paint job he's got on there. People. Oh, look, that's, yeah. That's somebody rich. I'll let them go. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't need money. Look at that. These aren't the pilots you're looking for. You know. Yes. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, Hub of villainy is obviously normal. Yes, yes. Mm. that's the place. Yes, I think that. I mean, this is what's great about um, the Alpha is that everybody coming in and trying things they might not be quite so keen to do if they were losing their own real credits doing it. And it's consequence free. (laughs) It's like being on holiday, isn't it? You can do what you like when you're on holiday. Apparently. Yeah, yes, yeah. Is a five pound, fifteen pound holiday romance there for you? Yes, mm. yes. It's yes. a boy. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting that we don't have as many credits in here as in the full game. You haven't been flying with no rebuy, have you, Flossie? Oh, what did you do yesterday? What did you do yesterday? I bought, I bought a tape six, right? Mm. Oh, and then um, right. David was wanting to do some testing, and I didn't have a, a, a spare seat in it, so I changed it back to my Cobra, and I was flying it over, landing on planets, and doing all sorts with him. And uh, it was only last night when I got online, I sort of glanced at the right panel. I thought, oh goodness. My, my uh, rebuy is about six times what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> so I quickly sold the tape to tape six to get some money back. <laughs> but um, I'd been doing all that testing and flying around <gasps> and dancing on planets and. Shock. What's the second end type six? What does the second end type six go for these days? <laughs> I don't know. Less than the new <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Depends whether it's in kit form. You know. <clears throat> one, one careful lady owner. Yes. Six new will cost you about a million. Yeah. I think it was about a million. I had about a million to start with. I know that. Yeah. I just never thought about the rebuy. Stupid. <laughs> it's Is one it? of the things I think you get used to after a while. You get used to being a multi millionaire yeah, in the game. Yeah. <laughs> God, don't look at the credit balance. <laughs> oh, you're a fine one to talk. Uh, how many of how many billions have you got, chicks? Don't know. Don't look at it. It's seventy something, isn't it? I think More I've like got. 80 I think now. I've got yeah. two. I've got two now. Two oh, I'm up at nine. <laughs> I, I took full advantage of the explanation CG a while back. <laughs> Oh yes, you do. Yeah. You some the lens some people will go to uh, get a patch. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody uh, anybody been on a nature ramble today? Since we only got the opportunity today. I, well, I, I, obviously not no. me. No, well, no, no. Uh, not me yet. I've got some small technical issues at the moment. Um, because I'm a cheapskate and only bought a T Hotas X in the in the early days. Um, and I've got quite used to that now. I mean, yes, I could upgrade to a better stick, but I just know where everything is on that on that stick. The problem is with Odyssey, what I want to do is use that for flying my ship and the Xbox controller that I got with my Rift for walking about. And I also want to use HTS voice packs and voice attack. And that's three different bindings for a controller, and you can't do that. So You just want the moon in a stick. That's yeah, I do. I, yes. So what I'm finding is that I'm having to remap. I, I've bought a copy of ReWazd, which is um, oh. a, a <laughs> software that allows you to, to remap your Xbox controller so that it actually press, presses a key. Uh, because although I can do that with the... I could actually get some shareware that would work with the HOTAS. The problem is mm. none of them deal with combination buttons. Because the, the Thrustmaster has so few buttons, you use combinations uh, of, yes. of a, yeah. a joystick button and the hat, for example. Yeah. So I have one to go without a modifier. It does my pips. With a modifier, it looks around the cockpit. And the, nobody seems to understand that, so nobody does it. So I've had to go back and start again and remap my... Yeah. my uh, Controller. Just so you're just so you're aware, Xbox controller works exactly like that. It's all combinations. Mm. Yeah, and that, but, the, who... but 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 the, sorry, Amelia, but the, the the 
software like this Rewazd understands combination buttons because that's what you expect to do. And yeah. big, big boys uh, joysticks, they don't do combinations because they have a shed load of buttons all around them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, and I, I guess I would buy a new joystick, but. I would have to learn it all from scratch again, and I'm crap enough at this to start with. Well, I've, I've literally just done that. So I'm, I've got a new stick, um, but I'm using an X56 throttle and the mouse for Odyssey. And right, God, doing the. It took literally over the course of a day, it took to put that custom bindings file. Try this, and no, no, I'm going to go back in the bindings. And, bit of a pain. That's a, that's a file I'm going to back up. <laughs> Yes, I've been doing editing and took my original bindings file and pasted in the new ones for Odyssey that I'd done on the Xbox controller, so at least I had that. But then there was all problems with the GUIDs, the GUIDs didn't match. If you change it across like that, suddenly it's new sound to search and replace in files. This is all very interesting. Anyway, so... I'm just so, yeah. going to say, oh, yes, must, I'm just, must be okay. thrilled. I, 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 I can manually copy yeah. them. You can bypass <laughs> the old routine tonight. Mm. <laughs> yes. Before we change the subject too much. And I wonder who came up with the name Thrustmaster. I mean, yeah. he clearly thought a lot of himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got his, he his hand on his stick, certainly. The yeah. Thrustmaster, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if it had been a thrust mistress, I, I might have noticed, but uh, mm-hmm. now you pointed out, that's very or, or the terms, Hokan's <laughs> hands-on throttle and stick. Yeah. 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 You, should ask, you should ask Palantir about that. He knows where everything is on his stick. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. With my He's eyes closed. Hats on it. He puts hats on it. <laughs> yes. I know where yes. to push up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh no, or in Sidewinder saying, it's hot PS is all combos too. I wonder if the Odyssey delay is because the inconsolable types don't have enough buttons. You can never have enough buttons. Yeah. Yes, Xbox, they bounce. Xbox controllers only get little sticks, but it has got two. Yeah. One for each thumb. One for each thumb. So am yeah. I right in thinking we have no headlines to talk about Um it's just us bantering. Yes, it's just us wittering. Having yeah, set much things. Is, I think. yeah, yeah. Because normally we have this big list of stuff that we've compiled over the week to talk about. Sean couldn't be asked. And we, and yeah. we have lots of paper here with helpful little notes on saying, oh, this is something you can talk about. This is something you can... And today we have nothing. Correct. I've been well, mm. I've been sitting here sweating in front of this keyboard all day. I haven't had a chance to look around and see what else has been going on. And, of course, with the change to Odyssey you, coming you later on... You should have been doing the script... <laughs> oh yes, oh, that would have been useful, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, hang on, let me just see what yeah. I can do. Yeah, it's been a very interesting day doing that. You'll yeah. see. That's why there are there are very few um, rares digest pictures this week. So I ran out of time. Yeah, I forgot to ask. Did the Mars helicopter get away? I don't know. I thought it was supposed to have been up and about, but it was yesterday. There was a delay. Um, oh no, announced. But I think I haven't seen it in the news, so I'm assuming right. not. Okay. No, no, there's nothing, nothing mm. that can see in the news out now. How's your, uh, how's your button hand, Sean? Is it close to the well, it, button it can, thing? It can press anything. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what it'll press? <laughs> who knows what will happen next? Is it, is it imminently ready to go? Oh yeah, it could be. Yeah. Oh, I've got press. Oh, that's in a different order. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's we could, that's bored everybody. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> is it time yeah. to move on? Yes, a week. Yes, yeah. Let's let's do that. Let's let's move on. Let's, let's see if we can get a, a record short show. So, dear listener, it's now time to sit back, 
Burt Gently, uh. and listen to Commanders Beetlejude and Wotherspoon with their acclaimed after-dinner speaking. And rumour has it that this features a character that sounds almost identical to Commander Wotherspoon. But we're assured that this is just a coincidence, so shtum. Galnet News Digest, 15th of April, 3307. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Empire admits costly mistake. Organics wanted as Vista opens its doors. A day in the life of a conflict zone NPC. Empire admits costly mistake. Imperial forces working to eliminate the Neo-Marlinists in the Madrid system have issued the wrong railgun as a reward, according to a statement released on Monday. The relatively small number of participants in the operation routed the NMLA, and the top 75% were awarded a 2B long-range high-capacity railgun with feedback cascade as a reward. Only... The Imperial Armourer forgot to fit the feedback cascade before shipping the railguns. Unable to recall the subspecification modules, Senator Petraeus has agreed to shoulder the cost of having a whole new batch of railguns engineered and deposited into Commander's accounts at Payne Scott City in Madrid. The cost of the mistake, and of putting it right, is believed to run into billions of credits, but it's unlikely to make much of a dent in Imperial Defence spending. Organics wanted as Vista opens its doors. Commanders using the Odyssey Galaxy Simulator today have a first opportunity to take samples from the amazing virtual lifeforms discovered on virtual planets in the simulation and to virtually hightail it back to the virtual Vista Genomics Store to cash in their virtual winnings. Not only will they be virtually paid handsomely, they may also gain virtual recognition for being the first virtual commanders to return with virtual samples of each type of virtual life. Commanders can at last take off their dirty Dominator suits and replace them with much more fitting Artemis suit, the only suit capable of holding the Dyson Scanner, the only scanner that just loves to scan. It can scan up to 15 different life forms with no need to replace the filter in between planets. Simply bombard the planet with DSS probes, look for the life form heat map, log out <laughs> and in again so the heat map isn't bugged follow the signal down and get scanning not only that but whenever you land on a virtual planet where no one has gone before the opening of Alzoshbrak Darathustra will ring out on your virtual in-helmet sound system as you relish making the first virtual footprint in the virtual sand pebbles ice snow <laughs> A day in the life of a Conflict Zone NPC. Hello, I'm Dave. I work as an NPC in the Conflict Zone at Tekeuchi's Fortification in Nervi, 
The idea is, we're there whenever one of the players in the Odyssey Galaxy simulation want to have a battle, and they haven't managed to find 23 friends to play with. We sort of make up their numbers, right? So, most of the time it's pretty quiet. We have deck chairs round the back, and we sit out there and we have a few beers and chat about this and that, and, and then we get a warning that there's players incoming and there's no messing about. Hide the chairs, scoff down the last of the food, and we get to play soldiers. I wonder if these players realise just how much commotion they cause. It's all nice and peaceful down here until they turn up, and all wet behind the ears, and waggling their weapon wildly. Anyway, we put on a good show for them, shooting each other and throwing grenades. We need to make it look like we're trying, but really, it's only the players who can win the conflict. It's their game, after all. Space Cod, I think they call it. Space Haddock. One of them. Sometimes we need to fall out of vultures. When we're killed, we wait until the players aren't looking, then we go round the back, a vulture picks us up, comes overhead, and we jump out and start shooting again. It's sort of like reincarnation, and we, we do an awful lot of it. Do funny things happen? Yeah, yeah, they do. I was finishing my corned beef sandwich this morning when a bunch of players arrived sooner than I was expecting. They vaporised the sandwich in the crossfire. I was a bit upset. Mind you, that's nothing to Terry. <laughs> Only half of him is rendering today, so he's sort of half-man, half-existential nightmare. <laughs> and Jeff over there. His legs have been stuck in that raised platform from the knees down for a couple of days now. I'm not sure it's good for his circulation. Ah, got to go now. Commander Vante Un reckons he can solo the base. So we all need to pretend to shoot each other while he gets on with that. I'm not complaining. I could be stuck behind the counter at Apex all day. Think how dull that would be. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to. Commanders, Beetle Jude and the other one. It's nearly time for my CG news, but I suppose at first we should listen to Commander Chicks as he gives us the next episode of the A to Z of Hutton Space. And this week it's Stein 2051. <laughs> In this episode of the A to Z of Hot and Space, we focus on the small but fascinating system Stein 2051. This binary system, 18 light years distant from Sol, is situated in everyone's favourite giraffe shaped constellation, Camelopardalis. You may know this constellation as the unintended target of the long dead 20th century probe Voyager 1, which is, even now, crawling towards it. The probe will pass within 1.7 light years of Gliese 445 in only another 38,000 years. Unless, of course, some commander decides to make it illegal salvage and attempts to pass it off on a black market as an ancient relic bearing gold disc. Hello from the children of planet Earth. 
Stein 2051 contains the sixth poorest white dwarf from Sol, but is the closest red and white dwarf binary system. Stein 2051A, the red dwarf, is the brightest star, but it is only a third of the mass of its dimmer white dwarf companion, Stein 2051B. This is one of only three Hutton systems to contain a white dwarf, the others being Van Marnen's star and Leuton 145-141. The white dwarf has a carbon-oxygen core and was very likely a type G star in its former life, which spanned over 11 billion years, or over 80% of the age of the universe. Stein 2051b is named for its discoverer, Dutch Roman Catholic priest and astronomer Johann Stein. It became one of the very first white dwarf stars to have its mass accurately determined using the gravitational lensing method in the early 21st century. Stein 2051b has a mass of only 67% that of Sol, so is just about half the Chandrasekhar limit, the limiting mass that determines whether a dying star will become a white dwarf or a neutron star. In either case, you don't want to get too close to these stellar remnants, as terrible things may start to happen, and whatever you do, you certainly don't want to get stuck in the jet cone of these stars. Being a white dwarf, Stein 2051b is not supported by thermal pressure, as in a main sequence star, but by electron degeneracy pressure. Note that this is very different to trucker degeneracy pressure, which is where your friends i.e. those people you probably just met in that bar, who will encourage you to drink far more than is good for you and commit foolish acts that will land you in some degree of bother with the system authority. Jumping into the dimmer but more massive B star is rather convenient, as this is where the more interesting features lie. The Red Dwarf has three dark and dead icy worlds in orbit, while Stein 2051b has eight orbiting bodies, including two gas giants, which are marginally more interesting. However, the bar remains very low. Unsurprisingly, the inner planets are unremarkable cold worlds, victim at some point to the death cycle of their star. The first planet, a high metal content world, is close in mass, gravity and orbital distance to Venus in the Sol system, but the next five are cold, barren, rocky bodies. The two gas giants like rings but are orbited by the only bodies on which to surface prospect for materials. Stein 2051 has two starports, each only able to accommodate small and medium ships as the small economy has never warranted large pads. Rennie Landing orbits the first planet and Boeing Station sits ten times further out, orbiting the first and larger of the two gas giants. No surface starports exist, but there is a small station at Grant Point, on the outermost icy canyon-riddled satellite of the first gas giant, who will discourage you from getting too close and shoot at you if you do. The economy of Stein 2051 is based on refining, exclusively from the satellites of the gas giants. With the exception of the antisocial elements at Grand Point, the entire population of 125,000 lives exclusively on the two outposts, and a job here can certainly be considered as a hardship posting. Hutton first expanded into the system on Halloween 3303, which is inadvertently celebrated by the pirate banners at Boeing Station. The Halloween mention isn't just a cheap last-minute attempt to get a Frankenstein gag into the script. Honest.
Well, thank you, Commander Chicks, for the details on Stein. Nice to get a handle on the subject. Stein, handle? No? Ah, forget it. <laughs> Maybe you'll pay attention to Flossie with the CG News. And we all know what comes after that. It's the Hutton Sports Report by me. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. And the community goes. Hello, Flossie here with this week's Community Goals News. Uh, there were no CGs last week, so nothing to report on there. This week we have two new CGs. Deliver goods for and protect Archon Delane's campaign to build new starports. The Coomore Crew Syndicate has launched an initiative to construct up to five starports. Kavanaugh Space Frames Limited, an independent construction company, has been privately contracted by the Kumo Council to build fully operational orbit stations. These will be located in uninhabited systems close to key trading regions and areas of commercial interest. The Pegasus Sentinel newsfeed featured this statement from Arthur Delane. As sovereign ruler of the Kumo Nation, it's my responsibility to increase prosperity for the systems under my protection. My new starports will extend our reach and boost trading of all kinds, legitimate and otherwise. I have also placed bounties on the heads of anyone who dares to interfere with my plans. The one thing we never trade in is mercy. The Razor Whips, one of Delane's loyal factions, is organising the campaign. It will reimburse pilots who deliver ceramic composites, semiconductors, polymers and water purifiers to Gabriel Enterprise in the Harmer system. Stolen goods handed into the black market will count also. Each completed tier will ensure the installation of an orbit station by the 29th of April 3307. The starports will be located in the following systems listed in order of priority. Pegasus Sector PN-T C13 C3-14 near the Harmer system. HIP-18390 near the California Nebula. HIP-10792 near the Sothis system, HIP-62154 in the Corsac Nebula and ELPRU PC-K C9-91 in the Colonia region. To support the Bounty Hunting Initiative, hand in your bounties to the Razor Whips at Gabriel Enterprise in the Harmer system. The in initiative begins on the 15th of April and will run for one week. If the final target is met earlier than planned, the campaign will end immediately. To earn rewards, you must sign up as an active participant before delivering ceramic composite semiconductors, polymers and water, water purifiers or handing in bounty vouchers to Gabriel Enterprise in the Harmer system. And that's it for this week's CG News.
Flossie told you what to do. Thank you, Flossie. Nice to see the Pilots Federation creating CGs just for you. It's nearly time for my bit. But first, it's over to the sports results. <laughs> Seamless. Excellent. Right, I'll start again then, shall I? <laughs> um, welcome to this week's Hutton Sports Report. The Hutton Sports Report is sponsored by the Hutton Helper, the only third-party resource to come with a free Dyson scanner. In case you have to identify that stain on the pilot's chair. This week we have the following events. The Go Exploring, I Just Get Back special. The Who Needs a Sponge, Space Sponges, Three for a Pound. Uh, Cup Winners Cup. The All Out, Another Rock. Planetary Scan Tournament, the I Know He's Not Wanted But I Did Have Spare Bullets Challenge Cup, the Space Pumpkin and Commander Potage for Everyone Special, and the Sharaban Day Out to See the Weird Things Challenge. So, no making tea from space fungus, space sponges are wild, and you get disqualified if you use your Dyson scanner on your naughty bits. The classified results are... A Salty Bastard, 128. Bowl of Petunias, 57. Light, 027, 51. Stevie Spaceweed, 38. Noddy, 382. Sea Pot, 320. Half Pabas, 2,223. Alex Zuno, 1,000. 335. Shatter Mage, 1435. Baikal, 544. Danny Eros, 1649. Selmak the Third, 883. Tea Town 2, Lachaba Thistle, 3. Ochenlek Talbot, 1. Blantyre Victoria, Three. Pippin Terriers, two. Queen of Kukari, two. Epsilon Eridani Rangers, one. Altair Eagles, two. So decals there for Noddy and Calf Pavis. Please email itookpart at huttonorbital.com and arrange to collect your Hutton decal kit, which this week consists of some space plant based purple paint and a space loofah to apply it with. Seven Hutton runs this week, including the odd close one, but no record breakers as yet. That means that Commander Harding's time of 1 hour, 22 minutes and 20 seconds stands for another week. Are you bored? Have you sated your bloodlust and aren't interested in turning your enemies to soup anymore? Do you have RSI from swapping between laser and kinetic weapons? Does your Dominator suit need a good flush out with disinfectant? Well then maybe you need a little break. How about turning your attention to something old and exciting? Show these mere mortals how you get the job done. How you ask? Well, here's how. Just go to hot.hot.fordermob.com and download or sign up for the Hutton Helper before heading out into the depths of space and doing your thing. Let's face it, anything has to be better than scanning cucumber patches all day while people throw grenades at you. Well, that's it for this week. Back to Studio 5. 
Thank you, Mia. Nice to see some new names and some very old ones in the list. The other continuity announcers have been able to say, my bit's coming up soon during their stint at the mic. I don't have any more to read out. And Flossie pans me if I say, my bit's coming up. So, oh, I'll just say, it's Amelia Hawke and the Galnet Rares Digest. Good evening. This is Amelia Hawke, newly promoted reporter for the Galnet Rares Digest. We try the galaxy's rarest and most dangerous trade goods, so you don't have to. Whilst the old adage and cunning marketing slogan by diamond jewellery firms says that diamonds are a girl's best friend, and yes, they do sparkle and have loads of industrial uses, compared to some precious goods in the galaxy, they're actually not that hard to find, and, of course, are relatively easy to manufacture to a higher standard than naturally occurring ones. There are, however, some rare mineral gems and crystals that are even more beautiful, far, far harder to locate, and as a result of having absolutely no practical use beyond the aesthetic, are curiosities that are more sought after. Cherbone's blood crystals are found in only one location, a small, volcanically active planet in the Cherbone system. You might find a sealed vacuum jar in a far-flung imperial palace, or given as a gift between the exceedingly wealthy. But you won't find them adorning someone's ring, hanging around their neck as a pendant, or making someone's crown jewels look that little bit more... jazzly. Earlier this week, I was met by one of the local population for a safety briefing before going looking for this naturally occurring crystal. The briefing is followed by four days of intense training, climbing, low-gee abseiling, spelunking whilst in a remlock mask, and what was a little worrying, a first aid course covering lacerations, puncture wounds, and respiratory emergencies. The local mining corporation is hundreds of years old, and the population of the system, as with ancient New Zealand and their obsession with rugby from a young age, all specialise in one thing, hunting blood crystals. To a person, they're outrageously fit, as slim as a willow switch, and strangely, nearly every single one I've met is covered in a network of reddish-pink scars. They take great pride in showing these off at every opportunity. The climbing walls down on the planet's surface are ridiculously tricky. I saw blood crystal cavers hanging by one fingertip whilst slinging their legs above their head. What's more, the most advanced of these walls are covered in blades and spikes. Before I cover the search for the crystals themselves, the one they have here in the reception area, under armed guard, is as tall as I am. A deep, vibrant blood red. Not the dark, dull, venous stuff, but atrial red arterial red. It's translucent, clear, and forms a regular geometric shape as if it was crafted rather than collected. I'm told that once collected, they're not cut or polished, 
just encased in a vacuum-sealed container at the point they're harvested and shown off in all their natural beauty. Our first expedition out under the planet's surface was to a recently discovered blood crystal geode. Over half a kilometre under the surface, the journey down through winding tunnels is a hard hike, made harder by the fact that we're wearing what looks like full tactical body armour and our remlocks. As we hike down, a stretcher passes us in the other direction. At our destination, we enter a small cave, and in the middle of the floor is an airlock. Our guide makes it very clear that once we enter the airlock, the air is toxic. We're asked to darken our visors, engage the audio dampening in our helmets, and turn off all lights. The airlock contains a winch and a hatch in the floor. With an only slightly reassuring thumbs up, my guide connects the cable to my suit, opens the hatch, and starts to lower me down. It's pitch black. Even once my eyes adjust, but he lowers a second cable near me with a very faint light. And as he turns it up, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I'm hanging in midair, suspended in the middle of a giant geode, and the light is reflecting off thousands of blood crystals. Even the dimmest light is reflected in a thousand directions. And as I bump into the dangling lamp, the noise, even though the dampening field echoes perfectly. The view is like nothing in this world. Below me is a pool that I can see bubbling away. This is a geothermically active area, and my suit readout tells me it's over 50 degrees Celsius in here. These gems have grown inside this small pocket of water and gas for millions of years. Suit sensors tell me that the air inside here is sitting at over 100% humidity, and there's, there are trace elements within it. My guide lowers down next to me, and with a finger to his lips reaches one chainmail-gloved hand over to a wall, and very carefully taps with a special hammer. A small crystal comes away, which he immediately seals into a container at his belt before pushing a button to evacuate the air. He cracks off a second, and to demonstrate just how sharp they are, he slices through a strap of thick leather on his belt like it was made of tissue paper. As we go to leave, he indicates an area of the floor near the bubbling pool. In the dim light, I can see the bones of some hapless adventurers. Back up at the surface and clear of the airlock, he explains that once found, it, a geode is capped open and no air from the outside is allowed in. To illustrate why, he opens one of the two glass capsules he's brought and in seconds, the beautiful crystal inside is just a small mound of red dust. The other? He hands to me as a gift from the mining corporation. Just this tiny shard of crystal could buy me my own ship. The danger? Well, it seems obvious. Finding, harvesting and returning safely with one of these is a, a dangerous occupation that consumes entire lifetimes, some shorter than others, of the locals. One thing I've discovered is that the atmosphere inside the geode isn't toxic, though you wouldn't want to breathe hot, humid air for that long. But it contains the trace elements that cause the crystals to grow. Once they hit your lungs, and in the warm temperatures, 
They crystallize, and quite literally you'll start growing your own blood crystals from the inside. For a very short time, you'll be outrageously rich, but soon after, so will the coroner that performs your autopsy. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet Rares Digest, and I'm enormously privileged to have seen these. Gazing into the deep red of this one back in my quarters makes me wonder how many lives have gone before to allow me to hold this simple, fragile, and ever so beautiful crystal. Sounds flipping dangerous. But stunning. Yeah, they sound amazing. I, I mean, they're, they're red. Are they red before you cut your damn finger off? <laughs> Blood red. Well, duh. As, as, red as, as red as what your heart pumps through your veins. For a short wow. period of time. Yeah. <laughs> for a very short period of time. Uh, yes. You can't even use it for jewellery. I mean, it's got no. to stay in that wee... A display thing that we yeah you, you need to they need to stay inside a vacuum otherwise they just they just turn to dust they disintegrate wow so, so they'll be expensive just because they're difficult to look after and di difficult to keep you know it it's not like you know everyone keeps a vacuum sealed <coughs> container on them you know no it's like a crystalline tamagotchi oh it isn't everyone okay <laughs> no just me then All right just just you <laughs> just you no I think they're fantastic and get somebody else to do the they're pulling it out the ground part. That's, you know, that's why you pay so much, isn't it? I, I take the same attitude towards <laughs> carrots. Wait a minute. Wait, we get paid? <laughs> <laughs> Some of us do. Yes, it's not in money, though. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in... It's in, in love. It's in, yeah. <laughs> For what it's worth. <laughs> For what that's worth, hey. It's not in money? Yeah. Oh. That, yeah. and, that and ten credits will get you a pie and a pint at that special bar yeah. on the on the parade, and that that very special bar. Yeah, got, are you pay, paying graphene and carbon plating for yes. pints there? Yes. <laughs> oh, I've just I'm found I've just found these out on a on a on a surface <laughs> habitation here. They're, they're, nobody was looking after it. You want this, don't you? Yeah, that seems that's all you can buy in the bar in in Odyssey. You know, I'm not allowed to have graphene yet. Too slippery. Just, it's not too slippery. Yeah, it's not good for me anyway. Mm. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just stick to MSG and my chips. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, mm. Yes. Well, that's that's a note. Moving to, along. Yes. Yeah. Well, oh, it's the end of the script. It is. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's it. That's all we have to say. Is that really? all you've written, Sean? Yes, yes it is. Sorry. It's, it's terrible, isn't it? I thought my mouse wheel had broken. <laughs> the end. Yeah. David, David did do the... Uh, David did the Rares Digest, you know. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so, so you didn't even write all of that? No, no. <laughs> and I didn't write your bit. I didn't write yeah. Chicks' bit. What did you do with your day show? And I didn't write, I didn't write the, uh, <laughs> the didn't write uh, Flossie's bit because that came from Frontier. And uh, I didn't write all of the Norma's bit because a lot of that comes from uh, our listeners. So 
Oh, I just sat here and put colours on the script, basically. Oh, nice. <laughs> you were cooking, weren't you? Actually, no, not yeah, today. Not cooking. today. When you nope. should have been typing. Not today, not today. You've been cooking again, Sean Pond. I'm not, no, not the <laughs> books. You've had a day without cooking. Yes. Wow. So I, yeah, all I did today was warm up some uh, ragu bolognese, the one that I make with veal and pork and pancetta and milk. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you've got to have a bit of milk in mm. there. Mm. You have a bit, it, bit of- everyone calls me crazy, but it makes a bolognese sauce. Mm. Mm. It really does. T- takes a g- good couple of hours to make all that. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a been, certain that's a load of bolognese. Yep. Right, yes. so let, let me see. You Is didn't it, do any cooking. No. You didn't do any writing. You're not even drunk. What's your mm. excuse? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just been one of those days. I, I suppose colouring in is, is quite a, therapeutic. Yeah, and I've done a couple of pictures, but... Oh, yeah. Even that seemed to take a long time tonight. Uh, the life of Pond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think I think I would like to say a wee thank you because you did do, you know, well, bits of the script at least today. And you've been, you've been at the computer all day, sweating away. <laughs> yeah, so David's got the kind of brain... Where and I, 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 this is this is not to to minimise the work that he puts in, obviously, but he it it's easy he can write this stuff, and yes. for for me, I have to drag it out almost like it's fingernails yeah. with pliers. He, he can write he can tell that. just as well as he can talk bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually watched him while he's been t- doing scripts. It's Aye, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's he's got the. Muscle memory to allow stuff to go from his hind brain to his fingers without anything in between. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I mean, he is, he is at the moment. He is able. We don't know where he is at the moment. No, officially. Officially, wall. officially, no. Unofficially working very hard on gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so with the, uh, those of you who've actually um, pre-purchased gravity will be very grateful for the work he's been putting in. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, which includes me. So, yes. Once I've once I've got my uh, once I've got all my XML files sorted out. <laughs> oh, not XML files. Are the XML? Are they are they CSV? No, they're XML. No, I can tell XML. that. XML. Yes, XML. You can tell right. that because they're hierarchical. Right. Hierarchical. Our hierarchical XML. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Nice. Okay, well, we that's that's an hour and twenty minutes. That's ten minutes longer than the shortest show we've ever done, which again was one of the ones where I was doing it and David wasn't here. Right? Winning. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> does well, anybody have an eighty while away? <laughs> does anybody have anything else that they want us to talk about before we wave goodbye to the listener? Has any mention been made? He's doing it slowly now. He's trying to stretch this out. Yes. Have you, have you got I was just, yeah. just checking out. Nobody else is going to talk. Uh, over the you, are you waiting? You waiting for, have you got no, something? No, we waiting you t- started. I'm just waiting for the interruptions. Yeah. Yeah. Are you timing something? It's going to be ready at 10 o'clock. You're just going to keep talking till 10 to say, to save you having to set a timer. Yes, Trevor McDonald. Um, <laughs> has anybody made any mention about a exobiology field trip or anything at the weekend? Because the last one was a bit... I all pew-pewed out. Well... You need to go and sniff the flowers just, for a bit. Yeah. It was a very short notice, the other one. I just wondered if anybody had heard any rumours. Mm-hmm. No, I, and I think the thing is, okay, with it arriving today, it's it's haven't really sorted yeah. out. But I would... Yeah. 
be not at all surprised, shall I say. Mm, mm. I'm sure I'm sure that between us that we can sort something out and go and point our yep. Dysons at something. I'm sure we will so, be doing something. I don't know how efficient it'll be, but yeah. So what we're saying is keep an eye out in the usual places for yes. some weekend shenanigans. Yes, it's ideally what you need. Except the people with opposable thumbs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ideally, what you need is a battlefield and a, a space cucumber patch. You know, you can generate some interest, scan a few things and shoot a few people. I'm going to fight you up. for this. <laughs> yes. That's that's it. I think yeah. you'll find that's very, very specialist, that, that kind of channel. Um, very yeah. niche. Yeah. And all the time in the background, it's just playing, where have all the flowers gone? You just shot my patina. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yes. You shot me in my space daffodil. How dare you? <laughs> yes. So yes, I'm sure there will be. I'm sure, there will be some. As you mm. say, keep keep an eye out. Facebook, Discord, uh, Twitter. I'm sure that um, when we've got something, we will uh, announce it as, mm. as soon as we can. But basically, it's likely to be uh, 8 p.m. UK time. So that's 1900 uh, UTC, uh, and somewhere. In the game space, once we've had a look round and worked out where's somewhere fun to, to do things. So um, if you're out there and you actually spot somewhere that looks like it'd be fun, do let us know. And, I, mm. and I'm <clears throat> intentionally not trying to prolong this. Um, but but... but <laughs> I was busy yeah. while the Elite, uh, uh, sorry, the Frontier live stream was on today. Was anything interested in that? I... It was all interesting. Yeah. What? Would you yeah. like to give us an example of what was interesting? No. <laughs> Didn't think you would. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, were doing, they, were out, they were out looking at flowers and things <clears> like that. Um, so they flew out in a week in a squad and went to planet. So we're using the scanner, which now seems to have layers or something. When you, when you use your surface scanner on a planet, mm. there are sort of layers where you can scan down and you can find where where the space vegetation is and things like that. And it works, seems to work really well. Um, oh, they, they the, profiled that in the. There was a, a short video um, mm. narrated by Arf. 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 Um, I saw that. Yeah. But, so, so they, they went actually, actually and did some of that in. They the, went and did uh, some of that. The other thing they did okay. was use the Dyson scanner. Oh yeah. And we use the Dyson scanner. There's like a week in a mini game, so you get an outer ring that spins around. And they, you've got to match that to a, the blue section, to a blue section on the outside. Oh my god. And then it goes to your next one that you've got to match, but it goes a bit faster. And did they find and then any Dyson? Another one that you've got to scan, and it goes even faster. Uh, and it looked quite difficult to me because Arthur had to have a few goes before he could scan anything. Mm. Um, and then it says, "Well, you've not got enough biodiversity in this sample. Find more." So you go to bounce about, and you use your scanner and find like. Oh, that sorry. was in the video, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, well I'm talk- This is this is on the live stream as well. Ah. So they then find. Another thing, to, you, you're looking at it'll be green instead of blue and you find it and you, you scan another one and then you scan a third one and then you've got a complete sample. Mm. Um, and then you put your wee packet with your sample away because there'll be in your pocket somewhere. Um, and meanwhile, some kit in an SRD really just run you I over. I think it sounds a lot more interesting than it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, um, yeah, for somebody who doesn't use act... It's very good. You, you you don't want to play this at all, do you? Because no, no, for somebody who doesn't have access to Odyssey, you know more about <laughs> the, it than well, the anybody who does. Yeah, the jetpack yeah. on this suit is very, very good. I did just sit and watch the thing. The jetpack is very good, and what they're saying is, on a really low 
G planet, less than 0.1 G, you could just be flying across the surface of the planet in your suit. You know, it's it's so good. It's got a better range and things like that. Mm. And it can carry more power packs and things, so you can stay out for longer in that suit as well. Oh, even the... If you get the batteries. Suit, yeah. yeah. What's it called? The, What's the... It's the Artemis, this Artemis, one, isn't it? Yeah. Artemis, yeah. yes. So it can do all that. Um, why they called it Artemis. And you can do your, your loadouts in the station now. Oh, yeah. No, change yeah. your loadout. Ah, good, good, good. Because that was that was painful to get into oh. a taxi to realise you... I didn't know that until <laughs> after I'd been in the, in the ship to change. <laughs> yeah, you weren't wearing the suit you'd just bought. <laughs> so there's lots of wee things. I think they've done some fixes and some feedbacky things and yep. some new stuff as well, you know. Uh, and space wrecks are a thing now as well. Well, not so much floating in space, but crash down ships what, you mean, to like, be a thing. You, you don't mean like Cecil kind of wreck? You mean? I mean, I mean, ship maybe like type, ships. A ship that Cecil was previously flying, right? Yes. That kind of thing. So there, there are down ships in there. And do you, um, <clears throat> do you find these on the surface scanner as well, or how how does that work? Uh, yeah, they show up is when you scan the planet with your planetary surface scanner. They'll show up. Hmm. Your yeah. detailed surface scanner even. Uh, they'll show up and you can go to them just like you can buy cucumber patches and all, you know the, the kind of way that used to have geological things and <clears throat> biological things it turns up with one and you just go oh, I'll go to that one I'm, I'm just trying to remember is what the it'll come up on this little yeah. screen any second now um, and they have threat levels associated with them as well so you can get there and there might be other scavengers there <laughs> I know so there we go. That's that's what I learned today. <laughs> oh, and I got Explorer nameplates. Oh, yes. Oh, ha. yeah. Twitch drops. Yeah. And they're not Twitch purple. Drops. Yes. Well, no, not yet. <laughs> well, I, he must have known that I was running mine in the background to, just to get the Twitch drop and uh, lost my connection. So I didn't oh, get one. Oh, no. Anyway, oh. never mind. Um, if purple is anything to go by, they'll be around. Yeah, they'll be around for a while. Future. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you can get the Twitch drop by watching the video of the stream. No, I doubt it. You can't. 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 It explicitly says that. (laughs) Okay. Right, shall we we, uh, mug this this joint? Yeah. Yeah. It's nearly 10 o'clock now, so Tex will be happy to go in. Trevor's on soon. Yeah. Mm. Two minutes. Good evening. Uh, Oh, so I think, uh, Amelia, would you like to lead the choir, please? In a rounding chorus of... Did you thank the listener? Thank you, whoever you are. Journey too long, cargo too small. Profit margins never really mattered at all. Gonna take the cargo where it's needed today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We're taking anything, anytime, anywhere. Loading all the teen out to the brim with the rest for the more. For the more, for the more, for the more. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Everybody sing a trucker's song Mm -hmm. 
Because he always seems to crash into the sun Skibbolize the pilot on the Xbox One Having out the free, you know, leads us well Trucking across the galaxy, now everybody out For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more Everybody's seen the hunting trucker's song For the more, for the more, for the more You know just where we're coming from For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more Everybody's seen the hunting trucker's song Profit margins never really mattered at all We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today Super cruising all across the Milky Way We're taking anything, anytime, anywhere So shout it out loud like you don't even care For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from For the more, for the more, for the more Everybody sing the and chuck us off For the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from For the more, for the more, for the more Everybody sing the and End of the show. Everybody's buggered off now, so why don't you bugger off too? Like everything else he does, Fantian takes spacewalks oh. too far. All the fun of the unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Free bong with every with every purchase. <laughs> X, uh, where am I? It's me. X marks <laughs> the spot. <laughs> yeah, I see the edit. Yeah, it's X marks the spot. Seamless. The route to the Hesperus is a dredger map. 